Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Magnuson Ford. It's hard to beat a Magnuson Ford deal in Abbotsford and online at magnusonford.ca. Yeah, I kind of expected that something might happen with, with those teams because, um, you know, I think they reached out and it wasn't that I gave them, I suggested those teams. That we, I, I believe that Trevor and, and Jim received interest from, from those teams and so I kind of thought that, uh, you know, something may get done and probably more so um, in those first two or three days that uh, we let them know and um, as time went on, Maybe it felt a little more unlikely, but then again, coming to today at the uh, with the deadline, uh, you never know what can happen. Because if we could have got something, we would have done it. You know, we really didn't get a lot of offers. Like, if you know, in every offer that that we got, we talked about it, and if we got like a concrete offer that we thought we could recover, you know, assets and draft picks or young players, we would have we would have done it. What's going on, BC? How are we tonight? I've got a pretty good feeling, but we will ask you to contribute to the program early and often throughout the course of these proceedings. Scott Rinto with you on TSN 1040. And yes, the Canucks stand pat. At the deadline, there's a lot of things I thought we might be talking about tonight when I knew this trade deadline show was coming your way from 7 to 10, and that gives you plenty of opportunity to get in. I'll give you the numbers now, 280-1040, 1-844-TSN-1040. If you are calling from around the province, again, 280-1040 or 1-844-TSN-1040. If you're calling from around the province and want us to pick up the tab, a lot of things I thought we were going to be talking about, I did not think we were going to talk about A dormant day for the Vancouver Canucks. Not at all. I thought we might get phone calls regardless of which trade went down or both deals going down, of people complaining about the return. They should have done more. No, they should have sent this player there. Look what this team did. Why weren't the Canucks in on that? I did not think we were going to be talking about no moves made for especially Dan Hamuse and certainly Radim Verbata as well. Anything else probably would have felt like a bonus, but we will get to that in just one second. Farhan Lalji was covering the Canucks today. He was among those tweeting out some juicy reports as to how this deal did not get done later in the day. And Farhan will join us here in just over 15 minutes' time. We'll pick his brain a little bit. You'll get to hear his opinion on why the Canucks were unable to make a trade go today. Craig Button is going to join us just after the top of eight tonight. We'll get his thoughts on what the Canucks did not do, where this leaves the organization. We'll also speculate on what happened elsewhere. Because, as you may know, there are 29 other teams in the National Hockey League. Some of them had very good days. And some of them have positioned themselves much better for a run at Lord Stanley's Mug. Chris Cook is going to join us a little bit later on in the program as well. He covers the Chicago Blackhawks, the other team that was supposedly kicking the tires, trying to get in on Dan Hamhuse. What could have been offered up? 
Why didn't that deal get done? We'll hear from Chris Cook of the Chicago Tribune a little bit later on. But before we get to that and before I roll out the poll question, I'll give you a little piece of my mind, a couple two cents from here. Sometimes the best deal to make is no deal at all. Sure doesn't feel that way in Vancouver today, where Jim Benning either chose not to or was unable to move any of the six unrestricted free agents under contract with the Canucks. Now, most of you realize that most of those non-moves are not surprising. Brandon Press, Chris Higgins, Yannick Weber, they were all dangled before, and there was nothing even resembling a bite on any of them. Dealing any of those pieces today would have felt like finding a wad of cash in your jeans that you figured you either lost or spent weeks ago. But Dan Hamuse and Radham Verbata, oh, that is an entirely different category than their fellow Canucks and Comets that I just mentioned. Both were perceived to have value. The former's much higher than the latter's, of course. And while you can wag your finger at either or both players for their respective roles in not getting a deal done, the franchise must absolutely must bear the burden of the blame in both cases. Let's start with Hamhuis. Yes, he has a no-trade clause, and maybe you're still pissed at the last GM for giving it to him, or maybe you think Hamhuis should have been less restrictive when it came to teams he would be willing to play for. But the reality of the situation is he has had the NTC since Jim Benning arrived in Vancouver, and if you think the club has the right to ask a player to waive his right to play in his chosen location, it's pretty unreasonable to think that the player then owes the team more than agreeing to do so under certain circumstances, given the previous negotiations. You want to be mad at Hamhuis? So be it. But I think your anger is completely misguided. Let's be clear about a couple of things. Numero uno, he gave the Canucks more more than one other team to deal with. He was willing to go to Chicago. He was willing to go to Dallas. And here's the kicker. The Canucks were presented with offers for Hamuse's services, but they did not find any of them appealing enough to pull the trigger on a deal, though Canuck management will tell you that none of those offers were firm and in place. Do we know all the details on said offers? Nope, we don't. Were the Canucks lowballed this morning because the Hawks and Stars knew it was a limited market? I can't confirm or deny that with absolute certainty. But we can look at some of the other deals for defensemen that went down around the league and wonder why the Canucks couldn't find something commensurate for the blue liner they had on the block. Did they overvalue their player? Were they too picky with which prospects or picks were coming back? Only Benning, his management group, and potentially ownership know the answer. But Canucks fans are understandably left standing with arms out wide and mouths agape at the fact that Vancouver's best card to play was not placed on the table and remains in hand. Now to Verbatim, an offensive forward who hasn't been providing offense. Just two goals in his last 25 games, a career playoff resume that is anything but a selling feature. Simply put, his season has been a complete disappointment from an individual and team perspective after outperforming his contract in his first season as a Canuck. The first three months of this season, Radom Verbata was snakebitten. The last couple, he looks downtrodden. He fits the profile of a player who needs a change of scenery to rekindle his fire. Was there no market whatsoever? Possible. But Teddy Purcell found a home in the last few days. Hard to believe that the Canucks couldn't find a dance partner in order to get something for a player that won't bring you anything but cap space in a few months. But I'll take Jim Benning at his word that the teams that were interested had Verbata as a third or fourth option, and they found ways to acquire a more attractive piece. I can buy that, but that brings us to the issue of timing. The Canucks tried to play the market, and they lost today. If you've ever sold a house, a car, something at a garage sale, 
You know that negotiation is only part of the battle. Timing is as or more important. When you think you have a deal done, do you ask for a little more because you think you have a live one on the other end who will pony up just that little bit extra? Or that early bird who shows up in the morning and offers you 100 bucks for your lawnmower when you have it priced at 150 Do you take the hundy or do you wait it out? Everybody wants to cash in at the top of the market, but it takes a unique set of circumstances to make that happen. Which brings us back to a couple of those earlier questions. Did the Canucks overvalue their players? Did they simply wait too long to get serious about dealing? You lump Brandon Prost and Chris Higgins in with what happened today, and it does feel like management gambled and lost with respect to either increasing the value of their assets or finding a way to get some type of return. Canucks management had a bad day. There is no other way to spin this. You can theorize as to why. You can buy into whatever conspiracy, theory, or rumor that you've heard. But there is no way to call this anything but a big disappointment for the Canucks today. And in that respect, today fits perfectly with the rest of the Canucks season. There are plenty of you on the line. We will get to some of your phone calls now in advance of Farhanology. I will remind you, we will have more time for open phone calls because I know plenty of you want to weigh in on what happened or did not happen here in Canuckville today. Vikram, you've been waiting the longest. You're in Summerlin. Thanks for the call. Go ahead. All right. I'm um, pretty disappointed with the trade deadline. I think we've discussed the Hamu issue enough. But I want to touch on Verbata. Now, we've been hitting the, the drum about the ownership, you know, still pushing for playoffs and stuff like that. Now, if we weren't so keen or they weren't so keen on playoffs, Verbata could have been on, put on the first line, displayed how good he was offensively, and maybe we could have had a better, you know, trade deadline. But ownership, again, decided, no, we're going to go for playoffs and we're going to spread the scoring out and maybe, you know, go for the playoffs. But they didn't. So they didn't show off the assets. So I'm pretty disappointed. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call, Vikram. I don't think you can necessarily pin that on ownership. I don't think you can say... Okay, the Aquilinis demanded that Radim Verbata was on another line, or because they wanted to have their club in the playoffs, that's why Radim Verbata was lower down the lineup. I think there's blame to be cast in a number of different ways there. I mean, you could talk about the coaching staff. Did they deploy Radim Verbata properly? If they knew they were going to move on, if they knew they wanted to get more out of that asset, did they play him in the right role? Should they have played him with the Sedins? Now, in Willie Desjardins' defense, the line that was going hottest over the last couple of months was arguably the Bo Horvat-Sven Berchi duel. And Radoverbata had the opportunity to ride shotgun with that, and he wasn't able to put up points. Should they have made the move to put him up with the Sedins? You can absolutely make that case. Should they have made the move to move Radim Verbata a couple of months ago, three months ago, earlier this season? You can absolutely make that case as well. But that's what I was alluding to, Vikram, that there was a gamble put in place here that they would be able to get Radim Verbata's value up throughout the course of the first few months of the season, and that gamble didn't pay off. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, and the Canucks certainly did not win on that particular case. Rob in Surrey, thanks for the call. I think we lost Rob there. Mike in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mike, thanks for busting us a long-distance line. Hey, Scotty. Uh, I just wanted to, to make one comment. Sure. Um, I, it's, it's about how management has this idea that if the Canucks miss the playoffs, they're going to lose this. They're going to lose their fan base. People are going to want to come and support a young team. I'm a season, uh, season ticket holder. I have been for a while. But 
I know that I speak for a lot of, of fellow diehard fans that it, them losing is not the problem. It's that there's no hope. Fans will come out if the team is bad as long as we have pieces in place and there's a future. But what is happening now with this mismanagement and this, this poor handling of assets, I feel like if anything, this is going to cause more fans to, to lose interest in the team than any missed playoff year. So I'll let you chime in about that. Thanks for the phone call, Mike. Well, I do not believe for a second that when management comes out publicly and says, we want to make the playoffs every single year and we're going to try to push for the playoffs, that they actually believe that the team they have had in place for the bulk of this season was one that was going to the playoffs. That is what they say publicly, what they think behind closed doors. I think they're two different things. I think Jim Benning and Trevor Linden, regardless of what you think of the way they have managed this team, They've been around hockey too long to look at what this club has been putting on display most nights of this NHL season and think, you know what, we're going to be okay. We're going to make our way into the playoffs. I don't think they thought that for a second. I think they knew that at best they were a bubble team this year. At best. But there's something you put forward publicly. As far as hope, you're right. And Jim Benning admitted as much. you got to sell hope. Steve Tambellini was on our midday show today, a guy who's been in the general manager's chair in Edmonton, and said, yeah, that's part of the job is to sell hope. You want to show a direction for the future that the fans can get on board with. And, Mike, the phone calls we've had here, they echo what you said, that people want something to rally around. And I do think they see attractive pieces as far as the youth on this team goes. Right now, that's not the overriding sentiment. Right now, the overriding sentiment is the Canucks did not do enough today. They didn't make enough overtures to put future assets in place around what you may be attracted to right now on this roster. Chad in Vancouver, thanks for the call, Chad. Hi, Scotty. There's a number of sources that have said that the ownership got involved in the Dallas deal and and maybe asking for more, and that's what killed the deal. You know, back in the days when uh, the Griffiths family owned the Canucks. Uh, I, I remember hearing that Arthur Griffiths used to skate on the ice during practice with the team. So if the Aquilini, and I'm not sure which one it is, probably Francesco, if they want to meddle in the Canucks affairs and play, you know, you know, NHL GM, the, the fans should, they should show their displeasure with their pocketbooks and just don't go to games because, you know, this, 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 the, the ownership cannot be involved in hockey decisions when they don't have the qualifications. So that, that's my comment. Just really upset that uh, we're spending all this money for the owner to kind of play, you know, NHL GM. Thanks okay. for the phone call, Chad. I'll remind you, as always, you vote with your wallet. It doesn't matter if it's sports entertainment, another form of entertainment, groceries you're buying at the store. You always vote with your wallet. You have a choice on what to consume. I'm not telling you to stay away, but that's your opportunity. So... If you want to send a message, perhaps that's the way you send it. Maybe it's the way it was sent a couple years ago with people booing in the crowd. I mean, there were derisive chants in the crowd in previous years. I'm not sure where it's going to go right now. I understand why this fan base is disenchanted right now. I don't know the extent of any ownership dealings. Farhan Lodge is going to join me next. We'll see if he knows anything further than what he tweeted out today. Find out right here on TSN 1040.
With over 100 enhancements, there are over 100 more reasons to love the 2016 Mitsubishi Outlander. Reason number 43. For a limited time, get 0% purchase financing on the 2016 Outlander plus no charge all-wheel control. And as always, reason number 68. The best warranty in Canada. Mitsubishi's 10-year, 160,000-kilometer powertrain limited warranty. Conditions apply. Visit LowerMainlandMitsubishi.ca for details. Mitsubishi, built better, backed better. This Saturday, your Vancouver Stealth are back at the Langley Event Center to take on the Buffalo Bandits in professional lacrosse league action. TSN 1040 is giving you and a buddy the chance to catch the game from the comfort of the Brojink Lounge. This prime location to cheer on the Stealth features food and beverage service and is hosted by the Vancouver Stealth Bombshells. To win your spots in the Brojink Lounge, just enter online at tsn1040.ca. For additional tickets, visit StealthLAX.com. I'm Detective Tribeca, LAPD. Rashida Jones is Angie Tribeca, and she's coming to comedy. What's going on, Lieutenant? Something stinks. Sorry, it's the Stan Cabbage diet. She's a no-nonsense cop. We're going undercover. Even deeper. We're going undercover. Who plays by her own rule. Take the rest of the day off. I want your badge and your gun. Don't you have your own badge and gun? I want yours. From Steve and Nancy Carell, Angie Tribeca, hitting the streets tomorrow at 1030. Only on comedy. You go get him, Angie Tribeca. Laser vision correction is life-changing. Who performs your procedure is a critical decision. That's why people look to those they trust who have had their vision corrected to find out who they recommend. At London Eye Center, over 90% of new patients have been recommended by previous patients. In fact, many choose London Eye Center because their parents are still ecstatic about their vision over 25 years later. If you're considering laser correction, call London Eye Center, the trusted name in B.C. for over 30 years. Book your free consultation at 604-526-2020. We're back with more Real Savings on Columbia Chrysler Radio. I'm Justin. How can I help? Hey, Justin, I live in the Valley. Why should I drive to Columbia Chrysler? Well, do you like saving money? Well, yeah. Only Columbia Chrysler gives you a free lifetime engine warranty and won't charge you any extra documentation fees. So, like, on a 2016 Ram 1500? Zero interest for 72 months, 10 grand off, no payments for 90 days, and no extra fees. Real savings. That's Columbia Chrysler on Mineral Boulevard in Richmond. ColumbiaChrysler.com. We'll talk soon. Want to hear your son or daughter on the radio? Enter them to be the next Alpine Credits Junior Broadcaster. Sign up now at tsn1040.ca. Your child could win a tour of the TSN 1040 studios where they'll meet the on-air hosts. Plus, they'll record a player profile that will air on the TSN 1040 pregame show. Will your son or daughter be the next Alpine Credits Junior Broadcaster? Enter online now at tsn1040.ca. Own your home? Alpine Credits can get your loan approved. Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Go to alpinecredits.ca. Hello, Alpine Credits. You're the guys that say approved, right? Yes, sir. I want to grow a beard. So I told my wife I wasn't going to shave for a year, and she did not approve. Would you? Uh, we only approve homeowners for loans, for renovations, consolidating debt, that type of thing. Maybe if I grow a man bun instead. Uh, no. With over $1 billion in loans since 1969, Alpine Credits has been helping homeowners get their loans approved, regardless of their credit, age, or income. Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. You know, just because a smoke alarm is outdated or doesn't work, that doesn't mean it's useless. I know! Want to play some smoke alarm frisbee? I'll start. Uh, no, no, no. What I mean is you can recycle it with regeneration. Regeneration recycles all sorts of special waste safely and responsibly, including smoke alarms. Sounds good. Heads up! Ah! Ooh. 
Maybe I'll just take that to the recycling depot. Yeah, might be a good idea. Regeneration, recycling solutions. Easy to find, free to use. Find out more at regeneration.ca. This is TSN 1040 Vancouver, and you're listening to Scott Rintoul. Music must mean far on Lology of TSN is right around the corner. He'll join us here in just one moment as we have our trade deadline recap show. And we thought we'd be recapping some Canucks trades. Not so much. Not so much. Trade deadline day coverage here on TSN 1040 is presented by Cyclone Taylor Sports. For over 50 years, the best service, the best selection, and the best hockey gear for less, a lot less at Cyclone Taylor Sports. Our poll question quickly brought to you by Craftsman Collision. Who had the worst trade deadline? Brooks Like, who went from the best team in the league to Toronto. Patrick Maroon, who went from the team that's been best in the West since the turn of the calendar, the Anaheim Ducks, and a serious contender in the Western Conference to Edmonton. Or the Canucks. You can weigh in at tsn1040.ca. Farhan Lalji of TSN joins us here. Do you have a an early favorite of those three, Farhan? Yeah, I guess it's probably going to be the home team with uh, what didn't happen and all the fallout from what didn't happen. It's certainly been a long, long, interesting day, which which only got more interesting after the deadline came and went. Well, absolutely. And when I saw your tweet, which I will allow you to present to our listeners who may not have seen it, that raised some eyebrows around here as well. What is the development since the trade deadline passed and the Canucks did not move Dan Hughes? Well, I mean, there's there's been a number of, of theories on the initial trade, the follow-up trade. I mean, if you heard Botch with the Moj earlier, and a number of us have heard this or a version of this story, and that was that they had a deal or had something agreed to, and then either uh, ownership got in the way or the Canucks, for whatever reason, wanted more. Uh, the Canucks certainly don't... don't um, Spin it that way. They, their position on it is that the the um, Dallas Stars simply liked Chris Russell better, which I think is true. Uh, but I do think there were some points in and along the way where Dallas thought the Calgary deal was was dead, and Calgary thought the Dallas deal was dead. And then things kind of went back to Vancouver, and then eventually uh, they were able to make it work with with Chris Russell uh, going to Dallas from Calgary. So then after that, they they circled back, and I sent out a tweet uh, from information I got out of Dallas, which suggested that. Um, the Stars came back to the Canucks with a proposal that wasn't a better deal. It was a lesser deal, but their version is that it was potentially a better pick. And by that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, by that I'm assuming it would have been a second, which it would have been a year or two out. And, you know, suppose uh, the Calgary pick stays as a second, and, you know, that one could be a higher pick. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the version out of Dallas is that it was a similar pick. Well, I spoke to Trevor Linden after sending that out, and Trevor said absolutely not. It was a, a, a lesser pick. It was a mid-round pick. Uh, it wasn't similar, um, you know, and, and uh, it was, it was you know, one player versus the two, and certainly the two that Vancouver had negotiated initially, which is the deal that Calgary got, right? So not saying it was a better deal, but, uh, you know, so, so 
which one was it? You know, let's say for the sake of argument that Trevor uh, is correct and it was a mid-round pick and a player, uh, a prospect. Is that enough? You know, and, and I, I think the Canucks believe it wasn't enough. They would have, they believe they would have been criticized had they made that deal and didn't want to put Dan through this because they did have a lot of legitimate respect for Dan. They didn't want to put Dan through this if it was, in fact, um, not going to be a significant deal that's going to make them significantly better. Now, the, uh, the flip side of it is if the, deal wa- if the draft picks were similar and the deals were similar, then that lends itself to the ownership conspiracy theorists, right? Because um, both sides concede that the Canucks did not call back uh, after that final offer when the stars circled back. Uh, Trevor said he just chose to walk away. Uh, because he didn't think the deal was worth responding to, it was it was significantly worse. And here the Canucks are. It's just a it's an unfortunate situation for them. Jim Benning goes into the deadline with six unrestricted free agents uh, and comes away with absolute zero for all six. Let's talk about both of those independently. Let's start with the first one, which is there was a similar deal on the table at some point for Dan Hamhuis that Calgary ended up doing with Dallas for Chris Russell. Farhan, from all of the parties you have talked to, do you believe that Dallas simply went, look, for the same deal, we can get Chris Russell, so we'll take him? Or do you believe that something happened with the Canucks to quash the deal that would have sent Dan Hamhuis there? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I do think their initial play was they did think Chris Russell was better. I, I do agree with that. or Not necessarily better, but just a better fit for, for what they were looking for, the potential of maybe getting him down the road to, to stay, all of those things. I think they believe that he was a slightly better fit, but I do believe at some point there was a window there for the Canucks to make that deal, and it didn't happen. And, and again, was it the Canucks going back and asking for more? Was it Calgary having a change of heart? Was it uh, you know, the ownership getting involved? I mean, when I spoke to Trevor, he could not have been more adamant and angry um, that he, he insists that ownership – gave him full authority to make a deal with Dallas specifically, that he went to them. I mean, the first inkling I got of this rumor that ownership wasn't thrilled with Dallas was on Saturday. Uh, didn't really, he didn't report it because we hadn't really flushed it out. And, you know, and Dallas's name just kept coming up. And it wouldn't have kept coming up if, if ownership had kiboshed it initially. Uh, you know, so then there's kind of a watered-down version of that that um, – you know, they really wanted a premier deal or they wanted to hit a home run if it was going to be Dallas. They weren't going to settle for a, a stand-up triple, for lack of a better example. So, uh, But as far as Trevor's concerned, there was none of that. As, you know, he, he told me definitively that he had full authority to make that deal from ownership. And, uh, you know, well, you've got to take him at face value. I mean, all I know is when I saw Jim Benning today, he looked like an absolutely defeated, defeated man. And I don't know if it was just because he couldn't make the deal or because of all the factors that went into all of this I mean it's a tough situation so the one deal comes and it goes for whatever reason and people can make their judgments as to why then there is the circling back which Benning admitted to Linden admitted to and the Canucks said thanks but no thanks because they didn't feel it was fair value for Dan Hamuse. Farhan is that a dangerous game to play with a player whose most value to you is right now that you could have gotten something as opposed to nothing yeah, you know, what would have what would have fans been happy with? So, I mean, and Trevor's right. If the Canucks had um, decided to trade Dan Hamhuis for a mid to low level prospect and a fifth round pick, or you know, or even a fourth round pick, let's say, because he, he said it was a mid rounder. So let's say a fourth round pick and a you know. A, uh, something out of their top three or four on the pecking order for prospects from Dallas's organization, 
he, they probably would have got a lot of criticism. Now, is it, you know, is something enough? Is something enough? And, and I think that's a fair question because anybody who says, oh, just get a sixth or a seventh, who cares? Well, really? Like how many of those guys make it to the NHL? Um, there, there is a school of thought where people say, well, look, we don't want to set that precedent that you could take us to the 11th hour and beyond and eventually we'll fold and give in. Uh, so, you know, and, and I do think there was a legitimate respect for Dan Hamhuis here and they wanted, they knew it was going to be hard for him to leave. Now, ultimately, Dan doesn't care what the Canucks get back in a deal, but um, they wanted to make sure if they were going to put him and his family through it, that it was worth it. I do think there was some, some truth to that. But, it's you know, we're never going to know because it, it, it's at such a high level from ownership with he, he said, she said. And Trevor and Jim Benning, if in fact ownership is involved, they will fall on their sword in this situation, as would the folks in Dallas uh, with, with um, their perspective on all of this. It, it's just it's going to be difficult to quantify that part of this. Farhan Lalji of TSN was covering the Canucks all day down at Rogers Arena and joins us this evening on the TSN radio network. Let's step back from the Dan Hamhuis situation in isolation and look at this from a broader perspective, Farhan. The Canucks last summer thought that come trade deadline, Brandon Prost was going to be on the move. Dan Hamhuis, Radham Verbata, plenty had speculated maybe Chris Higgins was some someone they could trade along the way. None of those players have moved. Is it fair to criticize the Canucks for either overvaluing their pieces or waiting too long to initiate something? Yeah, I think the latter. Uh, I, you know, I think with some of those players, they probably would have accepted anything. Uh, you know, Brandon Prost and Chris Higgins, certainly. I mean, if you offered him a six or a seven, I'm sure they would have just taken it and said, look, let's just move on, shed the salary, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I, I think they probably waited too long on them more than necessarily overvaluing because, look, they, they put Chris Higgins on waivers. They, were, they would have just been, been happy for, for that situation to have ended. Same with Brandon Prost. I mean, and even the other guys, be it Weber or Ray, I mean, they've been through the waiver process. So uh, I just think it, it probably went later. I mean, I think it's fair to suggest they probably overvalued Lyndon Bay when they first brought him in, uh, and then, then he is what he is. After that, he's an undersized guy that isn't going to provide great value for, for any legitimate team at this stage. So um, when, when you look at it in its totality, there's simply no way to spin it positively. Uh, 0 for 6 is what it comes down to in terms of any asset. And then you, know, you lose one of them on waivers. So at least with the other guys, they're playing for you for the next 22 games if that's what you want. But it's... Uh, um, yeah, there, there's just no way to spin it positively. I don't think today was either going to completely alter the, the vision one way or another of what Jim Benning and Trevor Linden were doing. It was possibly going to augment it. It doesn't derail it far end, but what does today do for what the Canucks have planned going forward? I, I, I think it creates a loss of consumer confidence, right? And, and there was a certain amount of that when, you know, the old regime left and they brought Trevor in. They needed to restore the, the faith of the fan base. And uh, so it's a difficult situation from, from that perspective. You've got a, a buying public, which has, has lost faith in the product. And now, um, you know, they've, they've lost a certain amount of faith in the people in charge and their ability to fix the product. And there's, there's certainly still goodwill left where it comes to Trevor um, but uh, you know maybe not as much for Jim um, you know given that this was his first go around at this he's not necessarily a guy that uh, is comfortable explaining himself publicly and things like that so it's tough for him to kind of work his way out of uh, of that level of criticism so um, yeah I, I think that's the feedback I'm getting on Twitter that you know that you know they can't get it done and, and I don't have faith and I'm not return, renewing my season tickets so uh, it's tough do you believe Trevor Linden would currently hold the job he has if he did not have full autonomy? Um, 
That's a good question. Uh, I, I think that in these situations, when ownership wants their guy, they're going to say what they need to to get their guy. Uh, and then the reality when you get into the organization uh, might change. And the emotion and the stakes and the pride uh, and everything like that, I think, changes the math a little bit. So I certainly believe that when Trevor took this job, he had heard all the rumors on ownership meddling with Mike Gillis. I mean, Mike certainly alluded to that uh, on his way out the door. Um, I don't think Trevor would have taken the job if he didn't believe he was going to get full autonomy. Um, and uh, maybe he hasn't. Maybe things have changed since he took the job. Uh, none of us will ever know um, as long as he's still there because he's going to make sure he takes every arrow for ownership like he should. Far on the Canucks call you up and say, we've got a great position for you, but here it is. We'll pay you X amount of dollars, but you need to sell this team to our families. You need to market it. What are you selling? Oh, boy. <laughs> the last season of the Sedins. <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure what you're selling because it is a bit of a clouded vision. Uh, you're selling Bo Horvat. You're selling Ben Hutton. You're selling uh, Jake Vertanen. You know, you, you probably hope next next year there's a little more to sell with Jared McCann uh, and and the swan song for the Twins. But certainly there's a, a gap in the middle of all of that. Um, there's not necessarily a high-end guy uh, that, that uh, you can hang your hat on at this stage. You know, you've got... Uh, a bunch of guys who at best might be second liners, right? So um, I, I think there's a lot of questions there on what, in fact, it is they are selling, and I think that's the part that's going to concern the fans because they want to shortcut the rebuild by, by, like I said, getting guys into the lineup that are in that early 20 range. And by and large, I mean, Sven Berchi may prove to be a top six guy, but by and large, the rest are probably bottom six guys. So, uh, you know, it, it's difficult the way they're doing it because I think they're setting themselves up to stay in that middle ground muck that Calgary found themselves in for so long, you know, being, being 10th, you know, you'd rather be 16th than 10th. And, and they were just, they're, they're there. And it's just so hard to build and find that piece and get everybody excited. I mean, look at Edmondson as bad as it got. And as much as they fluked into Connor McDavid, they can get Austin Matthews next year. You know, they're talking about uh, having a deal. Uh, one of their, their second tier guys, you know, they're, they're not going to uh, necessarily move a hall or an Everly, but certainly Yakupov, they want to move. People are talking about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, um, you know, and, and some of these guys that other teams would probably love to have in the prospect pool. Calgary got was able to accomplish their, their wish list. Toronto was able to accomplish their wish list. Even Edmonton on this deadline period, other than Yakupov, got most of what they wanted to get done in season, and you can't say Vancouver did. So it's just that the vision and the picture is, is not clear, and that's hard for a fan to digest. Farhan, great stuff. I know you've had an extremely long day, so I appreciate you making time for us once again, my friend. Always, Scotty. Talk soon. That's Farhan Lalji of TSN, covered the Canucks today, was one of those who tweeted about how this deal didn't go down. And Farhan is, again, I thought he outlined it pretty well, that he gave both sides their fair shake. And when he talked to Dallas, he tweeted, Stars went back to Van, offered a higher pick than what they gave Calgary in a prospect. It's believed Van didn't return call. Now he fleshed that out and said, look, from Dallas's perspective, it had the potential to be a better pick. So that was their theory on it. Now, when Farhan went back and said, here's the story I'm getting from Dallas, Trevor Linden, what do you have to say? Trevor Linden was adamant, and Farhan used the word angry, that that was not, in fact, the case, that it was a deal that was nowhere near what the Canucks believed they should be getting for Dan Hamuse or nothing close to what was offered earlier, so they didn't 
have any dealings at that point in time. He used the word consumer confidence, and that's what's been shaken right now. And we'll see how much. And the other question, and this is probably one for the end of the season, but it will bear some discussion throughout the course of this program. Can you salvage this? Can you salvage this in a couple months' time? The trade deadline was one place where the Canucks had an opportunity to, if not hit a home run, put a couple guys on base. Get something going. Send a message to the fans. They weren't able to do that today. Can you change that at the draft? Can you make what happened today ancient history? I'm guessing a lot of you in the here and now are going to say, oh, no, no, this is going to become part of the legacy where they didn't get anything at the trade deadline for this, this. Here's a couple guys they brought in. They weren't able to make it happen. We'll get your phone calls next. 280-1040-1844-TSN-1040. You've got it on the TSN Radio Network. The top men's curlers in the country hit the road to Ottawa. What about this one? To buy yeah. for a chance at curling's biggest prize, the Tim Hortons Briar. Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific on TSN. Champions live here. This time of year, everyone's telling you to go where it's hot. So go where the deals are hot. Like a new Ram 1500 with 0% financing for 72 months. And up to $9,000 in total discounts. Plus, no payments for 90 days. It's the Cold Days Hot Deals event at your Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram dealer. Offers this great will have you smiling from earmuff to earmuff. On now, see dealer for details. How Bell makes faster, better. Right now, millions of Canadians are relying on Bell, the fastest mobile network as ranked by PC Mag, which lets them be the first to buy tickets to the latest Team Sensations concert on their phone. The first to upload that amazing game-winning shot. And with access to Canada's largest LTE network, they can do it from... to... Visit a Bell store for details. Bell. Network speed just got better. When it comes to hockey gear, nobody saves you more than Cyclone Taylor Sports. We'll meet or beat any advertised price on current hockey product in store or online. And that includes the latest and best gear from top brand names like Bauer, Reebok, and CCM. Shop the hockey store voted number one for seven years running and get the best for less. A lot less at Cyclone Taylor Sports. Get the best. Want to hear your son or daughter on the radio? Enter them to be the next Alpine Credits Junior Broadcaster. Sign up now at tsn1040.ca. Your child could win a tour of the TSN 1040 studios where they'll meet the on-air hosts. Plus, they'll record a player profile that will air on the TSN 1040 pregame show. Will your son or daughter be the next Alpine Credits Junior Broadcaster? Enter online now at tsn1040.ca. Own your home? Alpine Credits can get your loan approved. Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Go to alpinecredits.ca. Hello, Alpine Credits. You're the guys that say approved, right? Yes, sir. I want to grow a beard. So I told my wife I wasn't going to shave for a year, and she did not approve. Would you? Uh, We only approve homeowners for loans, for renovations, consolidating debt, that type of thing. Maybe if I grow a man bun instead. Uh, no. With over $1 billion in loans since 1969, Alpine Credits has been helping homeowners get their loans approved, regardless of their credit, age, or income. Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Vancouver Giants hockey. Catch all the excitement of every game on TSN 1040 and TSN 1410. 
tomorrow. The Giants head up north for the first of back-to-back meetings with Chase Witala and the Prince George Cougars. It's the Giants and Cougars pregame at 6, play-by-play at 7. Join me, Brendan Batchelor, along with Bill Wilms for White Spot Vancouver Giants Hockey on TSN 1410. Get the full Vancouver Giants broadcast schedule online at tsn1040.ca. Vancouver Giants Hockey. Be a Giant. Purica is natural health foods, supplements, and positive lifestyle solutions. Hi, I'm Purica Ambassador Melissa Tucker. Training with the flu is not only detrimental to your muscle growth, but to your health. If you have the flu, skip the workout and focus on good nutrition and drinking lots of fluid. Remember, preventative care is always best. That's why I take three Purica Immune 7 capsules daily as an immunity optimizer. For more information, check out Purica.com or follow them on Twitter at Purica Wellness. Purica, nature, science, you. This is Lisa Laflamme. News is coming at us all day long. It's a little tougher to find the unvarnished truth, but that's our job. Real life has this way of constantly delivering, and so do we. See you tonight at 11 on CTV National News. You're listening to Scott Rintoul on TSN 1040. It's a team that I love playing for and, and want to obviously really want to be a part of, and I would hope that fans uh, aren't uh, holding that against me when uh, you know it's not a case where I'm asking to be moved out of here. It's it's the opposite where you know I want to be here. I get the sense one of the two guys is happy, and that's the one, and the other guy probably not so much. Radim Verbata was a guy that kind of had the feeling he wanted to go somewhere, be re-energized, see if he could help a contending team. He chose Vancouver. He wanted to be here, wanted to play with the Sedins. This season certainly has gone nothing like he expected, nor the Canucks expected. And You would have thought, had the Canucks been able to get anything for Radon Verbata today, it would have given him a new lease on this season, at the very least, and potentially on a contract beyond this season. He doesn't get that today. It almost felt like a little trolling. John Abbott sending us the email. Well, Verbata is taking split shifts with the Sedin line. Hanson and Verbata are both splitting shifts with that line. And I can only imagine the way Canucks fans would have viewed that at practice today. Phone boards are open right now. Plenty of you want to chime in. We are loaded up. Ron in Mission, thank you for your patience, Ron. Go ahead. Yeah, no, the one thing uh, that kind of bothers me is that now, with the way things went today, it would have been nice if we could have still had Jim Carrick. We would have had something to look forward to tonight or for the next year here. Uh, but, yeah, now he's gone. It just, uh, I don't know what, what's left to look forward to besides gone. Thanks for the phone call, Ron. Well, there's other things to look forward to. I mean, Brendan Gauntz is one of them. It's going to be a little bit, maybe a couple years for Brock Besser. There's another one to look forward to. There are some young players that are already in the lineup. Maybe you think Jordan Subban will get a shot at some point in time. He's had a better season, certainly offensively, than many would have predicted down on the farm. The Shakarik deal, you're right, that would have been potential, and that would have been hopefulness from an offensive standpoint. But this will be a trade you can evaluate for some point in time. One guy you're seeing at the NHL level right now, and Shinkarik you're going to have to wait on. And the Flames made that very conf- uh, very clear as well, I should say, when they acquired him. They told their fan base, look, this guy, he very well may make it, and we believe in him, but this isn't going to happen overnight. David Coquitlam, thanks for the call, David. Hey, Scott, how are you? I'm well. Good. Hey, um, 
I'm a season ticket holder for 25 years. And uh, listening to the, the calls today, I've got to say I'm, I'm not as pessimistic as uh, some of the callers. And when the callers say that we didn't get anything today, I don't believe that. Dan Hamus is something. And I've got to say I, I'm not even a Canuck fan. I'm a hockey fan first. I root for another team. The Canucks are my second favorite team. But after listening to the interview with Dan Hamus today, I was really taken back by what an intelligent, articulate, quality person that he is. And going forward, I think he's a great asset for any hockey team to mentor young kids that are coming into the NHL and even as a position down the road with the organization that you want a person like that. Whether it's scouting or in some other capacity, I've been involved in a lot of sports and I know who you are. And I've been in, you know, senior leagues, A-leagues, rugby, football, lacrosse, hockey. And you know what? A person like Dan Hamuse does not come around all that often. So I just wanted to say that. Once again, it wasn't rehearsed. He answered questions that were, once again, just off the top. And what a professional guy. I would be proud if he was a Blackhawk. Have a good night. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks for the phone call, David, who is... Obviously a Blackhawks fan first and a Canucks fan second, but cheers for both teams. That must have been difficult a few years ago, David. I won't disagree with 96% of your phone call because every sentiment you echoed about Dan Hughes, you hit all the right notes, and he has dealt with this extremely well. And believe me, there are plenty who didn't think that was going to be possible because there have been times during Dan Hamuse's career here, he's a competitive dude, where he's been short with the media. And he hasn't come off in the same good-natured manner that he does away from the rink or away from the dressing room. You're right about him as a person. He's a quality individual. No one is going to argue with that. And the way he's handled himself is incredibly, incredibly well. Everyone will agree with that. The frustration here, David, is that most Canucks fans believe they were still going to get Dan Hamhuis back. That that mentor you speak of, that that role model for the young players in the organization and perhaps somebody who stays with the organization beyond his playing days, that that was going to be possible and that he was just going to take a 20-game and playoff break. Because had they dealt Dan Hamhuis, he's an unrestricted free agent, he's made it pretty clear he would love to sign here again if the team will have him back and they can find a deal that works. So Canucks fans are frustrated that they don't get to have their cake and eat it too. And I understand why. Because they could have had that mentor going forward and it would have simply cost them the last 21 games here as far as Dan Hamhuis in a Canucks uniform and they would have had other assets around Dan Hamhuis. Or that could add to the mix with Dan Hamhuis and the other players on this team. That's the frustration you hear. Tony in Abbotsford, thanks for the call, Tony. Hey, Scotty. Uh, before I get into this whole thing, uh, I know you're a, a fellow 49ers fan. Tell me that this... Uh, Canucks situation doesn't reek of a lot of what's going down uh, in the Bay Area with Jed York and Trent Valky, uh with the owner being over-involved and the general manager seeming to have no direction uh, or no idea where that team is going. Um, I couldn't help but think that today, especially when those reports came out that uh, Aquilini possibly got involved with the uh, Dallas deal there. 
yeah, I can understand why you'd make a case for that. I think there's some differences, but did you have anything else to, to add to that, Tony? Yeah. Or you just wanted to make a comparison. No, no, I, I actually wanted to kind of get into to what's happening right now with the frustration of the fans. I, I don't think it's a standalone issue as to what happened today or didn't happen for that matter. Uh, I think it's a cumulative anger. Uh, Outside of the Ryan Kessler deal, which you have to give uh, Benning full marks for, uh, there's been deal after deal after deal, whether it's the Spisa, Dorset contracts, whether, whether it's the Miller contract, which a lot of people don't agree with, uh, the return they got for Eddie Lack, the Corrado, Shinkarik, Barkowski, Vey, uh, it, it just all of these deals, uh, it, it seems as though the team has not been on the winning end of any of them. Um, and to top it all off, you can even live with that. If you had an idea, uh, and, and people give Mike Gillis a lot of crap for a lot of different things, but Mike Gillis came in and said, look, we're on a five-year plan, and our goal is to win the Stanley Cup in year five. And he was 60 minutes away from his plan coming to fruition. But since Benning and Linden have been in charge in the last 18 months, there's been how many different plans? There's, we got to get bigger. Uh, nope. Not that anymore. We got to get smaller and faster. Uh, no, we're we're building through the draft. That's why we brought in Benning. He's a draft genius. Well, no, we're not accumulating draft picks anymore. We're looking for those 24 to 26 year old NHL ready guys. There's no direction. Uh, and to me, this is because Linden is a is brand new to this. Benning is brand new to running his own team, and then they have a rookie coach. There's no direction. And, and and if Aquilini wants to make a couple bucks and make the playoffs, it's going to be a long time because the way this franchise is set up and the way that they're going uh, and their lack of direction, there's probably another decade of dark years ahead of us here in Vancouver. Thanks for the phone call, Tony. You had a good run there. So you're fed up with the lack of direction more than anything else. And, Look, I don't need to get into a debate here about the Mike Gillis regime or the Jim Benning regime. The organization was in much different state when Mike Gillis got here compared to when Jim Benning got here. I'm not going to hold that against Mike Gillis. You're absolutely right. His team, three years, not five years into his tenure, was that close to winning a Stanley Cup. That close. As for the plan, the direction, well, a number of those things you mentioned, I think they're trying to do a bunch of them because of what I mentioned, because the organization, when they got here, isn't in great shape. And I'm not telling you you have to believe in the direction or lack thereof that you reference, Tony, but I think that when they say, well, we're trying to do this, this, it's because there's a lot of things this organization needs, a lot. It's not like this organization was close or is close right now. Thanks for the phone call. We've got Richie in Ladner waiting patiently. Richie, thanks for the call. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? I'm well. Good. Uh, just a couple of points. One, uh, anybody that really had any expectations of the Canucks doing anything huge today, uh, I think we're a little overly optimistic. We, outside of Hamhuis, who I'm kind of glad he's staying. I think that they re-signed him with decent money. He's a good guy moving forward with the young defensemen they're going to have to bring in on this team. But the rest of these guys, I mean – for bad of these guys, who in there, why would somebody want them? They really aren't even good enough to play for the Canucks. For bad all year, just looked like he was completely non-interested. I know he was told he was going to play with the Sedins, but it didn't happen. Get over it and come to work to work, and he just never seemed to come to work to work. Uh, I, I'm going to give the management team a pass for this year, and we'll watch what they do next year. 
Uh, they've got a lot of young guys in their system. I, I, this team's not going to really be anywhere, I don't think, for three or four years just because it's a rebuild. They're pretty much starting from scratch. He's got a lot of guys that you can't do a whole bunch with. And I really don't mind what he's done. I mean, there's a couple of trades last year I wasn't excited about. Uh, the defenseman that went to Toronto for nothing, I, I didn't agree with that. And I don't think they got value for Eddie Lack. But for the most part, the guy's doing what he can do. And uh, that's it. I'll hang up and I'll listen to what you have to say. Thanks for the phone call, Richie. Look, I will categorize the assets they had, uh, the opportunity to move today in different ways. Dan Hamhuis, as I will reiterate, the frustration isn't that Dan Hamhuis could continue on with this organization. The frustration is that was your best piece to play. He was your best potential for some type of return, your best return, when you look at what other assets the Canucks were looking to move today, and you didn't deal it. And Dan Hamhuis still could have been back here in the summer. It's not that you were dealing Dan Hamhuis away with three years on his deal, and now he's gone to another organization for sure. Canucks are in the same situation they were going to be in in a th- couple months' time. An opportunity to re-sign Dan Hamuse. Now, they have exclusive rights to do that for the next few months, which they wouldn't have had until July 1st or the courting period, as the NHL now has, rolls around. But they could have had the assets, and they also could have had Dan Hamuse back. So that's where the frustration is there. Rad and Verbata, it was hopeful that they were going to be able to get something. It wasn't going to be a great return, but people look at some of the other players who were traded today, and they say, look, if that guy went, how come there was no market for Rad and Verbata? Jim Benning's argument to that, or, or at least his explanation of that, was we talked to teams about him. They told us, okay, he's our third or fourth guy on the priority list, but those teams, they got either their one or their two. Or they're three in maybe another case. I'm not sure. But Rabada's name, they never got that far down the list in terms of what they were shopping for here at the deadline. As for the other assets, Canucks fans would have felt very, very good had the Canucks gotten anything for the other unrestricted free agents. They do lose one. They lose them on waivers. It's Adam Cracknell. I feel bad for him. I do. I feel bad for Adam Cracknell. Look, he's still got a job in the NHL, but a guy who loved playing in his home province, he's not going to a playoff team. He'll maybe get more ice time than he was getting here in Vancouver, and so perhaps he'll use the last quarter of the season in Edmonton to show somebody else he deserves an NHL contract, maybe even the Oilers next season. But he kind of felt for Adam Cracknell, at least I did, because he was a good story this year, that if he was going to get picked up on waivers, hopefully it was going to be with a team that was going to the playoffs. That's what you were hoping for Adam Cracknell. He had, you know, various stints with St. Louis and L.A., and you wondered if familiarity might have brought him back to either of those situations. A couple of teams that will be in the postseason didn't work out for him. We will have more time for your phone calls, but we got to make way for Craig Button. I want his view on this situation here in Vancouver, and we will check in on some others around the National Hockey League, but don't go anywhere because we will open the phone lines up again, and I know plenty of you want to get in on this conversation right here tonight on TSN 1040. Hi, I'm Mark Crawford. This podcast is powered by my friends at Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com.